RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, an actual play duet podcast using the Savage World system in our custom cyber fantasy setting. It's been a labor of love creating it for the past several years, and we are so excited to finally be able to share it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Previously on Neon Heat. Pavi explained that things in Caldonics have changed in the seven years of Athena's absence. She found Athena with the help of Thalassica, an unknown hacker who seems to have a vested interest in Athena returning to the city. Athena had one last loose end to tie up before she could return to Caldonics, Dietrich Strickland. Publicly a low-tier politician, privately a criminal involved in smuggling, drugs, and slavery. On their way to Strickland's compound, Athena asks to stop at a nearby Pantheon safe house where she says a hard goodbye to her business partner and best friend of the last seven years, Isaac Russo. After stealthily entering the Strickland compound together, Javi finds evidence that Strickland has been smuggling more than just quarry crystals out of Caldonics. They quickly engage a group of guards and they fight their way towards Strickland's sanctum on the second floor. They reach an opulent door and kick it in together just like old times. Athena and Pavi burst through the double doors, weapons at the ready, into Strickland's inner sanctum. So you get into uh, his main living quarters. It's a, it's a rectangular room, spacious. Uh, there are no windows in this room. On the far left, there is a door that looks like maybe it goes out to a balcony. You can see the, the dark night sky out there. And then there's another door on the right-hand side. Uh, but in the center of the room, there's a large, it's a large industrial metal desk with a lot of shit on it. Just papers and inboxes for filing. There are a couple desk toys. There's one of those balls on the swing. Oh, the are, kinetic one? The kinetic balls. Yes, those are there. And there's a woman uh, standing to the left of the desk. And she's facing the wall. And there's, uh, on the ground, a metal disc that is glimmering with a uh, soft blue light. And standing in front of her is a, a hologram of uh, the top portion of what appears to be uh, a man in armor. And she's speaking uh, to this man when you come in, and she turns around to survey you. The man behind her speaks, and you can't see his face. He's, only, he's wearing a helmet, and it's sort of an insectoid helmet. Like, the eyes are dome-like and cover the hemispheres of like the Like a mantis? Sort of like a mantis, yeah. And there's just a crackly voice that comes through and says, Looks like you need to get your affairs in order. And she turns around and she says, Shut up, Krill. M- make me a notice. See how much you can see just walking in at a glance. 
Four. Four. This woman has a similar skin tone to Pavi, but it's more of an okra. Pretty sure she's a Vel woman. Brown cat-like eyes. She's wearing a red satin dress with uh, golden glinting bangles on her arms. And she has uh, chocolatey dark hair that's bound up in a bun. And a somewhat bored expression on her face. But she looks over as you kick the door in and uh, regards you. I do have a quick question. Mm -hmm. Has the smoke made it upstairs yet? Not substantially, no. Okay. Can I smell it? This has all happened in the span of... Like a minute? Probably like a minute. This has happened pretty quickly. Okay, gotcha. So maybe very faintly. You didn't start a raging inferno. You set some things on fire so you can almost be assured that that will follow. Mm -hmm. But for the time being, you know. So the woman looks over at you and she says in a bored tone, Do you have an appointment? I think you'll find we do. Very well. And she she's holding a tablet, you know, like an electronic tablet, and she punches a few things on it. And she uh, takes a few steps towards that door that maybe leads out to a balcony. Uh, sir, and the door is open, and a man walks in. He's of average height, not even as tall as you are. He has a sharp, cruel face with high cheekbones and short-cropped crimson hair uh, and a widow's peak with solid crimson eyes. Uh, red satin sash is bound around his waist and trailing off in a stylish bit of flair. He's wearing an open-button white shirt uh, with a black vest over top, black slacks, and uh, he's wearing a belt with a few things dangling from it. Man, I was really hoping he was wearing all white. He'd be a fucking candy cane. Candy cane, no. No, he's, he's definitely got the, for the most part, red and black motif going on, but this is, uh, without a doubt, the man you're here to see. Dietrich Strickland in the flesh. And he strides in, pulls a small pocket watch out of his slacks, glances at them, slides it away. He hasn't even looked at you yet. Yes, Krell, um, it looks like the next shipment might be a little bit later than we expected. You'll have to deal with a small delay, I apologize. Krell says, yeah, do whatever you want, just clean up the mess. And then the transmission cuts and he disappears. And he looks over at Benicia and he says, Benicia, dear, did we have a scheduled appointment? Well, sir, these, uh, these, and she waves a hand in your general area. People claim they have an appointment with you, but I think it's quite clear they do not. And he scratches at his chin a little bit. What are you doing here? If I would have known it was this easy to get an appointment with you, I would have come a long time ago. Well, here we are now. Why have you come to my house like this? I think you know why we're here. I have absolutely no idea why you're here. Honestly, I don't care too much. You've already made a ruckus. I assume you've killed some of my guards on the way up here. What's to stop me from killing you here and now? Wait, don't answer that. Um, I'm too tired to deal with this. Benicia, be a dear and dispose of this riffraff. And he begin. He turns and begins to walk away, and just way, flicks a hand lazily over his Excuse shoulder. Excuse me. And um, Benicia turns back to you, and she's got a sinister smile on right now. Oh. And um, you see her pupils contract into very narrow slits. Would you be so kind as to put all of your weapons on the floor and follow me? 
And I would like you to roll spirit, please. Oh, thank goodness my spirit's high. Wait. Mm-hmm. My circlet gives me a plus four to brain spirit rolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially correct. Yes, your, your circlet, which is uh, a natural augment uh, that Athena created herself, gives you it acts like the skull cap skull yeah it's like a size skull cap from the science fiction companion gives you a plus four on your opposed rolls to resist these types of powers let me know what you get 15 15 i got a i got a whopping 15 did you blow up twice yes oh damn all right all right well she got a six um let's see how poppy does oh no she can do two people at once Apparently. Ah, shit! Oh, your new dice looks so freaking pretty. I know. Um, Athena, you you see her eyes, and uh, you're looking right back at her when she says this, and you're staring back at, at these cat-like pupils, uh, similar to what you have. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as though while you stare at her, your vision begins to tunnel, and the rest of the world fades away as you're looking back at her, and the air is shimmering, and you can feel a presence probing at your consciousness, almost like it's trying to force its way through this viscous membrane into your mind. You feel the iron of your circlet heat up, hot on your flesh, heating up as it feels this invasion, and that heat is able to bring you back to yourself and your vision clears, and behind you, you hear the soft thud as Poppy throws her things to the ground. Damn it! What do you do? Ooh, okay, I got it. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it no, for a I sec. Like it. Athena drops her sword to the ground and makes a couple shaky kind of steps forward and then closes the gap in an instant, making her other gauntlet into an identical sword. And I want to attempt to run her through. Are to... you doing like a multi-attack here? No, just the one attack. With your offhand? No, like her, she quickly would like grab onto her her right hand and pull the sword out of her other gauntlet into okay. her left hand. I see. And okay. then snicker snack. All right, uh make a fighting roll. Ten. Ten is a hit with a raise. Yeah. Go ahead and deal damage. Don't forget to add that extra D6. I wouldn't dream of it. Nine. Okay, um, that, that'll do it. What does this look like? So, I think when she, she releases her sword to fall to the ground, she kind of makes her hands do like a little convulse, like they don't want to be doing what they're doing, but she's doing it anyway. And then takes a couple, because she, she asked to follow her, right? Is that what she said? She said, drop your things and follow me. Yeah. yeah. So I think she's she walks forward a little shakily to try and be like, oh yeah, everything's fine. I'm just following you, like you said. But then takes a few very quick steps and grabs onto her right-handed gauntlet with her left hand and pulls an identical sword out of it and runs her right through. There's a, a measure of satisfaction in her gaze as you take those first couple of steps, but then just as on the stairs... You close the gap in a flash, brandishing your sword, 
and ram it through her chest up to the hilt and give it one more of those tugs there. And there's a gasp of surprise and pain and she goes, <gasps> and you see the trickle of red at the edge of her mouth as she's staring at you and falls forward, putting a hand on your shoulder and then falls into the blade and then she's limp. And I think you pull it back out and there's a spray of gore and she collapses and starts to bleed out on the floor, limp and lifeless. Nice. And as this is happening, uh, Strickland had been walking back out to the balcony, and as he hears the noise of you stabbing her, turns back around, and for the first time looks surprised and uncertain, and sees you cleaving through his lieutenant. I'd have your full attention. Well, now you have it. And he, ever the consummate businessman, folds his hands behind his back and begins walking the perimeter of the room, you know, up, down, past you, and kind of back towards the staircase where you were, moving slowly. He doesn't look like he's making a break for it. He's thinking and talking, mm -hmm. and he says, Well, you've come to find me all this way. What do you want? Money? Information? Power? I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I'd rather just put you in the ground. You've done a lot of bad in your life, and... <laughs> done a lot of bad. Well, it's been quite a while since someone decided to play my morality against me. Oh, I'm not intending to do that. I just wanted to let you know why I'm here. You piece of shit. Hmm. And he turns is to Poppy you okay? cracks his hand. Yeah, I think as this is happening, um, she's shaking her head and kind of coming out of the fog. You can hear her muttering a little bit, but you can't make out what she's saying but she does stoop down and scoop up her things. Strickland turns to you and stops and cracks his neck, rolls it around a little bit and says, Well, if that's how you want it to be, do I know you? No. Hmm. Disappointing. And he reaches for his belt and unhinges a small metal cylinder that he holds in one hand. He twirls it in his hand once, and pivots, so he's perpendicular to you. Are you watching? And then, with a flourish, he tears the red sash from his waist mm -hmm. and twirls it over himself and vanishes. Fuck! And, uh, that'll be initiative. Oh, shit. Okay. Athena gets a ten of spades. Pavi gets a joker. <gasps> and Strickland gets a two of spades. Eat shit. Strickland. Let me let me roll something real quick. It's good for him, bad for you. Oh. Pavi sees him disappear. Ooh. Oh, so close. Pavi sees him disappear, uh, frantically starts looking around and is in a fighting stance and says, Where did he go? And um she hmm. She begins spinning her tonfa, and it's making that same clack, 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 the mechanical, mm -hmm. almost a winding up sound. And then she brings it down and snaps it against her other tonfa, and there is just a concussive boom that Ooh. rattles the air, and um, she's aiming it towards where he had been standing. Like a sonic boom? Basically. That's so cool! Uh, you can almost see the air distort around her in a cone shape. 
and it blows all the books off the walls of the shelf. And, Quick question. Yep. Does it blow Benicia's dead body anywhere? Uh, she is not standing in the area for this. Damn it. Yeah, that'd be funny, though. Well, she wouldn't be standing anywhere, would she? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and amidst all of this, you hear a thud against that, and you hear a oof, but still can't say anything. Could I roll a notice to figure out where the hook came you from? You may roll a notice. Two. It's at a minus six. That's yep. pretty bad. All right, um, what would you like to do? It's your turn. <sighs> you know what's done all right by me so far? Setting things on fire. <laughs> I'd like to cast Burst, please. Okay. Is there a general area he was? Uh, you, I mean, you know where he was standing when he went invisible. I mean, I guess I want to focus the cone around there, but cones by nature kind of spread out side to side a bit. The cone template in Savage Worlds is much more narrow at the front, but it gets wider. Like, it's very long and not super wide. Okay, could I... So you could always, like, move Ooh. and position yourself. Hmm. I know what I'd like to do. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'd like to take a few quick steps back and jump up onto his fancy desk. Uh -huh. And from there, I want to cast Burst to get a wider area in my cone. Okay, sure. Here goes nothing. Eight. Yeah, it's a cast with a raise. That'll be 3d6. Go ahead and roll it. 12 damage. 12 damage. Okay. All right. That uh, would be one wound. I am going to roll Vigor to try to soak this for him. Okay. One of his bends. So I did get him. He got a four, so that does soak the wound. Yeah, so you, you light that area up on fire. What does that look like? Is it just a more of a... An actual burst of fire, or I think it is like a burst of fire because I'm kind of I'm trying to look I'm trying to look where there would be a disturbance in the wave of fire I'm sending out. Okay. To kind of like echolocate, but with hurt. Sure, I, I understand what you're going for. Unfortunately, I think you're not able to tell from how you shot it, or perhaps what Pavi did. That's okay. Hard to say. Uh, and it is his turn. You're up on his desk, and I think you hear the quick patter of footsteps somewhere off to your right, and then out of literal nothingness, there is just a bright beam of red energy that just sprouts out of the air and is arcing towards you. Oh, shit. A swing. Like a sword? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's cool. And what is your parry? My so parry, what's your, what's you say? Parry? It's five. It's five. Okay, so that is a hit. Ah, shit. And not with a raise, though. Okay. And what's your toughness? Without your armor. Four. So you got a seven. Yeah. And that will shake you, but it doesn't damage you. So I think what happens Ooh. is you see this red glow arc out of nowhere. How do you try to get out of the way or protect yourself? I mean, where is it coming at me from high or low? Or You're, you're standing I'm on high. the desk, so it's coming at you. I think it's going towards your legs. I mean, if she sees something trying to sweep her, she's going to stumble back probably. Because, I mean, she's on she's on papers and shit. She's on unsteady... I mean, maybe she slips a little bit on, like, a manila folder as she stumbles backwards, but... I think that's what happens. I think um, you go to quickly move out of the way and you slip on a folder and you actually leave the ground or you leave the desk and you start to fall back and the sword just barely grazes underneath you. But you knock the wind out of yourself as it happens. As this is happening, you very faintly 
you can see a translucent outline of a form that is controlling this. Gotcha, And then bitch. just as quickly as it appeared, the laser sword disappears. Hmm. It goes back into nothing. So it grows out of nothingness, swipes, and then goes back in. That's so cool. And that's the end of the round. You get a three of diamonds. Pavi gets a king of spades, and he gets a joker. Oh, nuts. That's bad for me. That is bad for you. Oh, no, I know. I'm saying that's bad for me. You can hear the shifting of footsteps right next to you. And I I think you're on your back on the table or on the desk right now. And there's a distortion in the air off to the left. And you see the figure raise an arm. And there's a blast of electricity that slams into Pavi. (gasps) And... No, he was attacking me. He can't attack my girl. Well... No. Oh, wait, no, this is good for her, actually. You've just given me back my fake best friend. (laughs) Please don't take her from me already. There's there's just a... It's almost like a ball of electrical static that shoots out of nothingness and slams into her chest. And there's a few convulsions as she's... You know, her hands are spasming and she goes... But she manages to stay on her feet and kind of shakes her arms off. And while this is happening, um, that beam of red crackling energy sprouts out of nothing and swings down in an overhead arc (gasps) uh, at you as you're lying on the desk. Yep. Here I go. Here we go. Ooh, that's bad. It's bad for him. I'm going to Benny that. Oh, no, don't do that. (laughs) I don't have very many bennies. No, don't do it. And that is a six and your parry is a five. Five. Okay, so that's going to be a hit. But no raise. Ooh. <laughs> Oof. Uh, that's 13 damage. Jesus! And you are shaking right now. So yeah, what that's is your, wounds. What's your toughness? Five? Four. Your toughness is four? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Pickle, I have zero vigor. I have a D4 and vigor. You have a D4 minus one and vigor. I have a D4 minus one and vigor. All right, so 13, that's one. So that's with two raises. Yeah, this is going to hurt. So, uh, how do you try to protect yourself as this beam is coming down at you? I think... Oh, you know what happens? Hmm. I got it. Athena whips her left arm up, anticipating her bracer being able to catch it. Mm -hmm. And it's... She doesn't have it, because it's on the floor Mm -hmm. over there. And she just has this crystalline moment of... Oh, fuck. And I think uh, he brings it down, and it's... It doesn't cut through your hand. It glances on the wrist and cuts a deep gash into it. I mean, Ugh. and then uh, it goes down uh, and catches on your armor. And it's almost like it, I think it catches on your body armor. And then he wrenches it down in a way and like a more trying to tear through it. Uh, and there's a giant blackened gash torn in your armor and the skin is charred and melting. And this fucking hurts. Ugh. I don't think that's fully sunk in yet. Oh, yeah. The- Just from battle adrenaline. and mm-hmm. I mean, it hurts for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she realizes to what extent she's fucked up right now. Oh, sure. That makes sense. What is that two wounds? Mm-hmm. I'm going to write that down. Mark it. And it's Pavi's turn. Did she see me get pretty fucked? Oh, yeah. She saw this for sure. Pavi uh, sees you getting mauled, essentially and uh, lets out a scream and rushes forward with her tanfa and is just going to, again, she starts to 
it starts to flick and rotate, and she brings it down again and snaps them together. And there is, instead of going out in a cone this time, it's like a short-range concussive burst, and it just does a almost implosion when she hits it. And... Very nice. Okay, let's see how he does. Not good enough. So this happens, and you hear another gasp of surprise from that distorted area. It just goes, <gasps> and then Pavi takes her other Tanfa that snaps out into the blade and is swinging at the area where she believes him to be. Get it, girl. And... Alright, so she manages to land a hit. Alright, so basically what happens is she hits him with this concussive blast and then swings as hard as she can through that displaced area and hits him in the chest and he, in game mechanics, uh, he was stunned from Mm -hmm. the blast. Uh, which leaves you subject to the drop. Oh, the, I know about the drop. The, the drop is a severely weakened condition where people get a much higher bonus to attack and damage. So she essentially uh, rakes him across the chest with one of her blades, and uh, he cries out in frustration and anguish, and more blood flicks across the room, and he takes a wound. Nice. It is your turn. What would you like to do? Oh... <sighs> Well, whatever I gotta oh, also, do. Also, you got uh, you got a Benny from Pavi's Joker last time. I forgot to tell you that. Oh, lovely. I know what I'd like to do. Okay. This desk that I'm on is metal. It is. That's correct. So I would like to use shape metal to make it into a bunch of metal spikes that will jettison in a wall shape in the direction I feel like he is because Pavi's fighting him so as long as I'm not hitting her I'm a happy camper. I think that's reasonable. So I think Athena clumsily rolls off of the desk and puts a hand on it to make this happen Okay. and I'm gonna cast it, see if it works Cast it. Wound penalty of minus two. Yeah How about a seven? A seven. That's a cast, no raise, so you get a d10 strength with it Excellent. Blue up. 17. 17. 18. 18? 18 Holy shit. damage. All right, well, he did get a Benny from his Joker. Oh, boy. All right, uh, he's going to have to try to Benny this. Cause or he'll die. Or he'll die, yes. It's two sixes. Yeah, sure is, huh? He's able to soak all but one wound. So he does take a f- one further wound from this. So is it two wounds? Is it two wounds? Yeah. So, and do the do the spikes go straight out? Do they angle? Like, what is what does this look like? I think part like half of the desk liquefies into a puddle on the floor that goes into a semicircle around Pavi, like facing away from her mm. and spears away from her. That's fucking cool. All right. Yeah. And they they pretty big. Yeah, and I think um, you're you're shooting blind a bit here, but um. Out of all the spikes that go, one of them does protrude, and you see just a spray of red. And um, I think at this point, reasonably speaking, his invisibility drops, so you can see where he is at this point. Has his fancy little invisibility cloak shredded? You do not know. 
you get a six of hearts. Pavi gets a nine of diamonds, and he gets an eight of hearts. So Pavi goes first. So he is still stunned, which is why you were able to still damage him and hit him in the first place. Nice. And he's distracted and vulnerable, so I think Pavi is just going going in. Well, there's a wall of metal between her now, so I think she needs to walk around it to... She could always vault over it. No, I think she walked around. Okay. Not as cool, but practical. So with Pavi's first attack, uh, now that he is visible again, she takes her bladed tonfa and just jams it into his shoulder. Nice. The one that was holding the sword and just rips it back out and there's a spray of blood. Clever And he grits his teeth through the pain and goes, and then after that, I think she puts him in a chokehold. She gets a, an arm around his throat and just starts to squeeze and try to hold him in place. Okay. And that is Pavi's turn. It's his turn now. He's going to try to break free. No, he, uh, he's got a minus three penalty on his wounds there. Yeah, Pavi's able to... She's not the strongest... But she is able to hold this crippled and dying man. <laughs> um, and Athena, it's your turn. What would you like to do? So I think I see, even in my shit-off, terrible state that I'm in right now, I see Pavi's got him in a lock, so I want to go in for the kill shot if I can. And I hold out my hand like Harry calling his broom. <laughs> and the sword handle that I dropped on the floor back when we tussled very briefly with Benicia and it zips into her hand and she closes it and she also closes the distance between their two bodies and wants to ram it upward into him. So then I think as you're going in for this, Pavi has the presence of mind to let him go and stand back and then uh, yeah, you can very easily just jam the sword through his chest. It's a ten. Okay, that's a hit with a raise. Roll damage. Okay. 14 damage. Um, yeah. Yep. That's that. What is What does this look like, then? So I had an idea. Uh-huh. I think Javi sees me coming and sort of kicks him forward Ooh. into the sword. Ooh, I like that. As I bring it up through his... I mean, I kind of want to... Do like up through the stomach, like into the rib cage. Pierce his heart. Yeah, and I'm, if he stumbles into me, I want to just take a handful of his hair and rip his ear close to where my mouth would be because I have a mask on still, sure. I guess. And I just want to say, are you prepared for the kind of death you've earned, little man? And I think there's a moment of dawning horror for him as he's been run through and just chopped to pieces and looks back at you and his lips curl and he's about to say something and he opens his mouth and he's gritting his teeth and there's just it's just red in his mouth about to say something he just and the life leaves him and he collapses forward nice she shoves him backwards off of her sword and i think she takes a second to wipe it off on the back of his shirt and turn it back into her gauntlet. Yeah, and I think Pavi 
She recovers her other one. I don't remember where it sure, is in um, the moment, but she 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 recovers. Sure. And I think Pavi, hands on her hips, looks around and says, "They should call us the cleaners because we really cleaned this place up and made a bigger mess." Shit. I don't know. You got something? <laughs> well, it's good to see your sense of humor hasn't improved. Shut up. Oh, God. Uh, you alright? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. And she, she'll I'm rush doing over. real well. Yeah, she'll rush over and um, take a look at you. and. I think Athena takes a knee Yeah. and is trying to survey the damage. And she, I think she pops her mask off. Um, you do that, and when you pop your mask off, you definitely can smell the, the smoke now. Ooh, that's bad, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Um, <sighs> shit. Well, mission accomplished? Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Um. We did it, buddy. God, you're in a bad way. Um. I'm fine. Hold on, hold on. And she pu pulls off her satchel, which has been here, and flops it open and starts rummaging around inside, and there's some tinkling and metal clanging together and the din of crystals mm -hmm. and she pulls she throws a bunch of stuff onto the ground and uh has her hands in front of her like she's trying to decide what to do and she, she's talking to herself she says okay okay um this one and she pulls up a green crystal and this and that and she slaps a couple of things together and there's a syringe and she takes a piece of metal and smashes one of the crystals and then kind of pushes all of the dust into this syringe. Is Poppy making scuffle dust? <laughs> <laughs> and then she takes the syringe and she turns to you and she says, this is going to hurt. And without waiting, jams it into you. Where? Just into you. Just oh. into your body. And I'm going to Benny that. Oh, <laughs> that's much better. Uh, okay, so she got a seven. You recover one wound. Oh, neat. I think she jams it into your shoulder through the body armor. And you can feel uh, the, I mean, it friggin' hurts, because this is, she just jammed a needle into your arm, through your armor, and there's just a white hot pain entering your arm. Like, you feel like she's just put molten lava into your arm, and it starts to spread through the rest of your hand. And then as, as you're watching, you can see on your wrist where you were cut is torn open, but you can see the blackened flesh start to knit back together, and it seems to be feeling better but your your body feels hot and overheated now i think she she takes a luxurious moment to unzip the front of her armor to try and cool off for a sec pavi does this and is kind of worriedly watching you as this happens um but then nods to herself and scoops all of her things back into her bag is that something she used to do nope so Pavi, this is new <laughs> this is definitely new just a quick question yeah what Oh, um, I, do, do we really have time for that right now? No, I guess not. Um, yeah, no. Good I'll, job, though. I'll, well done. Sure. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Okay. Um, so, uh, what, do we need anything here? Um. Should we, should we, like, run? Ooh. Very fast? Ooh, ooh, I want to use my adventure card. Okay, what's your adventure card? Hidden treasure. Oh, Jesus, what does that do? I get to find some kind of loot or information, maybe, or something cool in this office. Oh, boy. Okay. Been, I've been holding on to that. Well, lucky for you, those clacky balls survive. Thank God. <laughs> Pavi, take these, quick. I break one of the balls open. There's treasure inside. 
Uh, could you do me a favor and uh, roll me a notice, please? Yeah. This is unrelated to that. Bad. Okay. Two. Good, good to know. Cool. Good to know, thank you. <laughs> is it because we're burning alive? Um, no. This was something else. Hidden treasure. Yes. Some sort of goodies that I didn't want to give you. What kind of goodies you got? Uh, I could spend me... time looting this room. However, yeah. I feel like this card would yeah, give maybe. me the best results. And it's not like I can take anything back to Caldonix if I'm just, like, going back. Where do you look? I mean, I'd like to look at the desk. The papers scattered a boot. Or... Yeah, the papers that uh, didn't dissolve into a puddle of metal goop. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say you, you start to look through it and realize you don't have time, and then you just have a heart of the cards moment where you shove your hand into a <laughs> pile of papers and pull one out and look at it. And um, it's a lot of it is gibberish. Symbols that you don't recognize and a script that is completely unfamiliar to you. But then further down the page, there is a bit that you can read. And there's a word that you've never heard before, and it says Ali Sahir. So you see that, and then underneath that, there's what appears to be a name, and that name is Suzette, uh, and the last name is Olivier. Suzette Olivier. Well, I take that. Seems important. Don't know why. Huh. And, uh, yep. There's more, there's more smoke now coming through <sighs> those doors that you kicked down. It's uh... starting to billow up the staircase. Javi, I don't think we should go out that way. Oh, you think? Well, okay. Okay. Is that a balcony over there? Um, yeah, it looks like it. Let's go give it a shot. Let's boogie. All right, uh, you make your way over to the balcony, and it is a balcony. Nice. And you're, I want to say, two to two and a half stories up. You're high up, and you look out over the compound. You can see in the distance flashing neon lights. Heading your way. Oh, shit. In the forest. You can see, from up here, you can see beyond the forest and there are lights. And you can see in the forest heading your way, fading through the treetops. But they're there. Okay. Definitely the cops. Okay, Athena. Okay, so she starts shrugging out of her armor and takes, like, she hasn't actually taken off her mask attachment in a very long time. Because she just always has it on her jawline ready to go. Uh, but she takes it all off and she gives it to Pavi. She's like, Okay, I'm gonna go into that that slave barrack or whatever was on the fucking schematic. That's where I'm going. Take these, just get rid of them. All right. You're gonna be all right. We're gonna find out. And you, as you're up here, there is a commotion down in the in the yard. The guard, there are guards running every which way, but they don't appear to be focused on you. And you notice there's actually another fire that seems to be on the other side of the compound. What? Yep. Poppy, I don't think we're the only ones here. As you say that, you both get blips on your communicators. Oh. And uh, the message says, Thank me later. Police incoming. Three minutes. Be scarce. All right. Athena... Athena gives Pavi her phone, too, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, she'll take anything you want. She'll stuff what she can into her satchel, and anything else she'll maybe leave for the blaze to take. That'd, that'd be fine, too, because Athena, she's got, like, a basically a tank top and a long sleeve shirt mm-hmm. over it, and just, I guess just leggings she has on under her armor to keep it from chafing and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I think she she claps Pavi on the shoulder and she's like, you gotta get out of here. I'll see you soon. Well, make sure you can get down from here first. I mean, can I turn my gauntlet into rope again? Roll to activate. Seven. Success, no raise. So yes, you, you can do that. You're way too high for one strand of rope to get you down there. I mean, could I use both of my gauntlets and then just drop down to the ground and, like, recall them from there? Yeah, I feel like between the gauntlets and the table, yeah, I think that's reasonable. Okay, I think I'd like you, to do you, that. You can get to the ground from here, okay. we'll say that. Uh, while this commotion is happening and the, and the guards are running not anywhere near here on the other side of the compound, um, Pavi will follow you down, and when you do that, she starts to look around and she'll move over with you towards the building, which is labeled as Slave Quarters on the map. And when you're just outside there, she'll look around and she'll grab uh, two rocks from the ground. Uh-huh. And she'll say, all right, well, you get in there. You get found. We'll meet up later, I guess. Yeah. Stay alive. You too. I will. And she runs off towards the wall, which is very close to you. Uh, pulls out another crystal from her little satchel, smashes it on the rocks, rubs them together, and then starts scaling the wall with them. What? That's so cool! Athena's just standing there, like, dumped down, like, Bobby, why didn't we do that earlier? That's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as she's doing this, she's... So the, the rocks appear to be adhering to the wall, and she's kind of leapfrogging up, like she'll pull herself up That's and so then... Cool scrunch up and then leap up and just kind of climb. So she's American Ninja Warrioring this shit. It sort of looks like that. Amazing. Yeah, so she goes up and over Athena's so proud of her best friend. And then disappears. So you are alone in the compound where fires are happening. Yeah, I'm feeling very alone. I want to get inside the slave building. Okay. You try the door. It is not locked. It's like a longhouse. It's a concrete structure. The door isn't locked. It's just plain metal. You can open it or even just blast it open with your powers, whatever you want to do. I just open it. You get inside. There is a very large group of scared-looking people. And uh, there are bunks lining the house or lining the the room. It's, again, still just all cement, concrete, very uh, bare, very sterile. No, No comfort here, just metal bunk beds and... Looks almost like a prison. Ugh. I mean, it's, it's nasty. I mean, they're slaves. And the people are disheveled, uh, dressed in dirty clothing. Most of them have these metal collars around their neck, and they look malnourished. So it's just a lot of scared and hopeless-looking people. And uh, right in front of you, with their backs to you, are two guards with submachine guns pointed at them. What do you do? Well, I'm going to take those guards out. Can I multi-action and send two bolts? Sure. One at each of them? Yeah. Nine for the first one. Okay, roll for the second one. Eleven. Okay, those are both going to be hits with raises. So go ahead and roll damage for the first one. Fourteen. Okay, roll the second one. Nine. All right, yeah, you're going to kill both of them outright, so what does this look like? I think she's she's pretty tuckered right now, and she doesn't want to trifle with these gun boys and... Uh, I think she drops into kind of a a fisticuff sort of stance and pops out two punches, two crosses, I guess, Mm -hmm. and hits both of them square in the back. Yeah, and I think um, 
the power is with such... her bolt. With her bolt, sure. I think the so you probably have the foresight to realize there are people standing mm-hmm. beyond these. So yeah. instead of boring through them, I think the energy almost spreads up a like little bit. Like a splash bit. damage. Yeah, so it splashes into their backs and just creates a massive crater of scarred flesh. I mean, they both scream and fall to the ground immediately and are motionless. And as you do this, there are a lot of gasps and a few shouts and cries from the people. She immediately puts up her hands in a, I'm not here to hurt you guys. Sort of gesture. I mean, no, they're not in any position to threaten you or fight back. No, I, think, I know. I think they, they it's move. just me, for me to make them comfortable. As a herd, they have expanded the semicircle away immediately, and they're, some of them are hiding behind the bunks, and a couple of the smaller you know, children are hiding behind their parents, and parents are trying to shelter them, and you just have a lot of worried-looking but quizzical expressions. Athena, she, she puts her hands up like she's been doing, and... She says, I'm not here to hurt you guys. Help is coming. The law is coming. We're, we're getting out of here. When you say that, there's a moment of silence, and then the murmurs start from the back and ripple up, and they all start to turn to each other. And um, one, of the, one of the men, he's, he's mid-40s, haggard-looking, but he has strong features, and a determined expression comes up and nods to you and starts to shepherd everybody else you know, into positions. And he pokes his head outside and begins to look. And he turns around and he says, She's right, they're coming. You can hear more scuffles outside. You do hear uh, the report of gunfire. Okay, everybody get a buddy. <laughs> Stick to your buddy. Don't get separated. If we have to move, we have to move, okay? I'll do my best to protect you guys if we have to go. But I think we're going to be all right. They're going to find us. It's going to be all right. And I think, uh, so are you just hanging out there for... Yep. Okay. Another minute or two goes by before a team of heavily armed troopers rush in the same door you just came through, all toting heavy assault rifles and almost power armor, like much heavier than anything you'd worn, and their guns uh, sweep the room and rest on the two go- the two dead guards that are on the floor in front of them. Where are you in all of this? Are you at the head of the pack? or? I think I've sunk back into the crowd a little bit, if they'll have me. Yeah, and I, nobody's going to push you away. I think everybody's just thrilled at the idea that maybe they're getting out of here. The troopers that came through when they assess that there are not any active combatants, they lower their weapons and one of them puts a finger up to his headset and says, Hostage is secure. We'll bring him home. So, one of the optional rules that we are using is conviction. Conviction is covered on page 136 of the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition book. And basically... Conviction is a reward that I can bestow upon you either for great triumph or terrible failures. Oh. And it's it's meant to represent your character's conviction and sense of self and your ability to buckle down. Get the job done. And through sheer grit and willpower and conviction, do a better job. So mechanically what this means is when I grant you conviction, it is a d6, 1d6, a six-sided die that you can choose to add to any role at any time for any reason. That's pretty it cool. It gives you a benefit. It can ace, just like any other die, and if you use a Benny to re-roll, you can re-roll it just like any other die. So, really what it means is, if you, need, if you have to succeed at something, and you're uncertain, or whatever, you can choose to use your conviction. And that's, for me at least, a big deal in a story moment. It means Athena is digging deep, into her sense of right and wrong and what has brought her to where she is and is using that as fuel to push through the situation. So you can only have one point of conviction. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. When you use it, it's gone. Uh, You get conviction either after one of these great triumphs or after a horrible tragedy. So in this sense, because Athena has finally buttoned up her last piece of... Her loose end. Yeah. Athena has finally tied up her last loose end and Dietrich Strickland dealt a crippling blow to this drug cartel and is now heading back home. I am giving you a point of conviction for use at a time you deem fit. Oh, golly. Thanks. (laughs) Of course. Use it wisely. I may not. We'll have to see. Who knows? (laughs) The local police arrive on the scene and round you up with all the other survivors. The slaves. There's a lot of hustle and bustle and confusion as people realize they're saved. They're being let out. They lead you out into the cool night air. The stars overhead. And they lead you to the front of the compound. There's a mansion on fire off to one side. I think Athena just... (coughs) She walks past it. (laughs) (laughs) There are no fire crews with them. So there are some officers milling about. uh, Watching the blaze as the building is being taken. But your crowd is herded towards the entrance where there are a number of flashing vehicles with lights. I think Athena's doing her best to fit into the middle of the pack, just looking around and trying to assess what everybody else looks like and trying to mirror that without being, like, disingenuous. Okay, well, roll me a stealth. Twenty for stealth. So all the people around you, men, women, children, Everyone is dirty and disheveled and emaciated, Uh, some of them bruised, battered, very hopeless, very forlorn. It is not terribly difficult for you to mirror this emotion and this feeling, especially since you've taken a severe wound very recently and Mm -hmm. haven't fully healed from that. Probably still have blood on Mm me. Yeah, you're... Drying, maybe, but... Yeah, you're, you're able to fit in without any problems slip into the middle of the pack so that you're not easily seen. But they shepherd you to the front of the compound where there are cars waiting, some larger transport vehicles. There are two specific officers who go from person to person removing the collars. Perhaps bomb disposal technicians or someone with electronic expertise. And it takes a couple of minutes, but eventually everyone is free and they piling you into the transport vehicles for shipping back to Alara, where they can process you and help you get back to your lives. The ride is surprisingly somber, and the faces of the people around you range from joyous to stern, and some seem disbelieving that the nightmare might finally be over. They might finally be able to, to live, to go back to their families, or their homes, or their lives. I mean, she's feeling pretty similarly mm. honestly the, the vehicle is a it's a boat of sorts you know, ferrying you from one side of hopelessness over to the other brighter shore and as time passes chatter picks up and the moods seem to improve again time drags seems to take longer than it probably does but eventually you're back in the city and there aren't any windows to look out it's quite dark in here some dim lights overhead and then you feel the transport slowly lurch to a stop they unload you from the transports into a local precinct in the city itself and they file you in with everyone else it is a blur of processing procedure 
This is similar to things you would have done as a regulator. But of course they have differences in the surface here. Things seem a bit more haphazard, but this was also a pretty big bust. So they probably were not prepared for quite this volume. Right. It's not as efficient as you would have done it, probably. Probably. And at some point, one of the officers comes to find you in the holding cells and takes you to one of the interrogation rooms. And you've seen this happening. People are filtering in and out. They just, there are a lot of people and it takes time to go through all of them. The man takes you into a small room. There's a table and two chairs. He offers you a seat. I, I take it. He pulls out a notebook. You can. This guy's tired. You can tell. He's been doing this for hours already. Have I seen this guy already? I think you've seen him milling about, but you haven't had any significant interactions with him so far. Mm-hmm. He sits you down. He pulls out his notepad. All right, uh, what's your name? Um, full name, Deirdre Athena Sedaris. And uh, where are you from, Ms. Sedaris? Uh, Caldonics. Caldonics? And um, how long were you, how long they have you there at the compound? Seven years. The officer who takes your statement, he's um, he's a pale-skinned man. He's got uh, a bushy mustache, dark hair, and he has a flip notebook that he's taking your statement down on. And you see seven years, and he, in spite of himself, shakes his head, and you hear a, a sigh, and he doesn't look at you. Seven years. And, um, what did they want with you? Um, back when I was in school, I learned how to diffuse quarry crystals. And that's what they made a lot of drugs out of, so they needed someone to do that. He nods at that, makes a couple more notes on his notepad, and he'll, he goes through the paces. I mean, he asks you basic information about the compound itself, gives you a couple of pictures of people that you've never seen before to say, like, does this look familiar? Do you know this guy? Do you know that guy? What can you tell me? Do these names sound familiar? So it's all a blur. Mm-hmm. Oh, just glad we got everybody out of there. I hope you did. <laughs> me too. Sometime later, takes you back to the communal holding cell and pulls in somebody else and goes through the same thing. While you're in the holding cells, uh, they do passes through for medical attention. Mm -hmm. Just make sure everybody's okay. They'll do examinations, process people through um, basic health screenings, because most people here do not look as good as you. Um, well, I'm looking a little less good than I usually would, to be fair. And that's true. So when they note that you are, in fact, wounded, they'll have somebody patch you up and give you some bandages and nice. see to it. And it's not its not as good as the Cory Pharmaceuticals that you would you've used in the past, and it's not even as good as the liquid fire that Pavi shot into you earlier, but it at least... I think she remembers how that felt and shudders. Yeah, and uh, as you're doing that, I think the medical tech's like, stop, it's not that bad. <laughs> Sorry. And they patch you up and they get a bandage on you, and it doesn't feel fixed, but it feels better and it'll keep healing. After sitting in one of the holding areas amongst the others, Another officer comes and he asks if there's anyone you can call to come and get you or help you or anywhere you can go. Um, I don't think there's much of a hard line into Caldonics, is there? No, not really. I mean, I'd really like to just go if I could. Sure, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll get you processed. You'll be out of here before too long. Just hang in there. Is there anything to eat or just water would be great? Yeah, no, hang on, I'll get you something. Just hang tight, okay? 
and he disappears and he comes back a couple minutes later with a sandwich and some water. Oh, that's so nice. So you're in here for about a day until they can get through everyone and process and confirm that you are in fact a victim in all of this. And then uh, an officer comes to you and tells you that you're being released, that you've been processed and you're free to go. Oh, great. Um, do I need to talk to anybody on my way out? The guy says, well, uh, I'd check in at the front desk on your way out. They'll, uh, they'll make sure all your fares are in order and uh, make sure you know where you're going. You got some supplies, that sort of thing, if there's nobody you can call. Okay. I'll do that. Check in at the front. I can do that. And he nods to you and says, uh, yeah, have, have a good day. <laughs> you too. Uh, they do process your release. And you're free to go. They've taken your statement, basic information. You're not a suspect. You're just another victim. You see the officer who had taken your initial statement as you're leaving, and he he gives you what he thinks is a hopeful nod, but there's a lot of pity there. I think she'd like to walk over to him just really quick and say, "You're you're doing a good job, man. It's I'm a regulator back in Caldonics, or at least I was, and I know this shit's hard." You just purses his lips and nods and he says some days are harder than others you know but uh sorry for everything you had to go through but uh I hope you can head home and pick up where you left off maybe that's exactly where I'd like to pick back up my name's um I'm Agent Polis if you ever need anything you know you can you can give me a call thank you Agent Polis you're welcome and take care of yourself Thanks. Um, am I gonna be able to get on the train? I don't have any money. Yeah, yeah, no, they, uh, go finish your processing and they'll, uh, they'll give you, you know what they call it, a stipend. They'll give you a little bit of money to help you get back home. It's oh. part of the procedure, you know. It's nice. <laughs> well, we can't leave you stranded out there. Mm, it's fair. You, you get any trouble with them, just let me know. But just, they're, they're nice, though. Go talk to them. Okay, I will. Thank you. Yeah, you go up and there's a, a portly old woman behind the counter and she asks you some of the basic questions just to get your name and process things, but she gets all the paperwork squared away and they um, they give you a bag of essential stuff, a couple of toiletries, a change of clothing for like a, a basic outfit kind of that fits you. An old Nokia burner phone. <laughs> there's no phone. And then um, a couple of dollars. Okay. Surface money. Yeah, she gives you... Um, enough credits to survive for a couple of days, buy yourself a, a ticket to get where you need to go. I think she accepts it, says thank you, heads out, hurriedly but not too hurriedly, sure. excited, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah, you get back out into the streets and Alara is bustling with life, as it always is. Buildings tall, the lights and the signs bright in the darkness of the night. Strickland is a memory. There's a sting in your side. Well, she hasn't forgotten that, huh? Yeah. It's a very painful memory. What's your next move? I want... I want to find a screen I can use. Like, um... Like a tablet or... Do you think there... Do you think there would be a smart mirror in, like, a bar? A somewhere? smart mirror? Like a bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Good day, ma'am. How was your shit today? <laughs> the toilet seat is 99.7% bacteria-free. That's not enough. <laughs> For your convenience. That's not enough. 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think there's uh, certainly a dive bar you can find nearby. Excellent. I would like to go to there. There's a bar nearby. There's some activity, but it's not too crowded. You make your way to the back. And there's a smart mirror in the bathroom. Um, is it a single, a single stall bathroom? Yeah, it's, you can lock the door so nobody else can come in. I would like to lock the door. And I, I want to tap the mirror to make sure it's working. There's the clink clink of glass. And you see the interface shutter just a little bit. Velasica? Mm. Are, you, are you out there? I know this is a mirror, but I don't have anything else right now. There's no response. Nothing. Maybe I overestimated how good you are at this. Can't even hack a bathroom mirror. No response yet. Okay. Well, since I'm already making a huge ass out of myself, just standing here, talking to a mirror, I was hoping we could do business together. I just... I'll, I'll pay whatever fees. I know this has been pro bono up to this point, or maybe it's just, maybe you've been paid off in some other way. I don't know. I don't fucking care. I need a safe place once I get back to the city. If you could keep my apartment clear of wiretaps or eavesdropping, or even just let me know if something's happening. I'm very willing to pay, because I can't do that. And she... Pauses for a second, kind of leans forward on the sink, like, listening for any change in the interface, like a click or something. You wait and you listen, and on the interface of the mirror, it's sort of like a DOS text prompt, like, and words start to show up in the hmm. blue pixel letters, and it just says, Athena does business in the shitter. Yep. That is exactly what's happening right now. And had I been more self-aware, I would have realized that. And she points at herself in the mirror. You dumb bitch. <laughs> That's me, not you. I'm so sorry. It's been a day. You say that, and then uh, there's a moment's pause, and from the smart mirror, you just hear your own voice repeat back to you. You dumb bitch. <laughs> so... So... Since I have your attention... Would you like to do business in this shitter with me? She holds out a hand to the mirror, not expecting anything, but... Just one word shows up and says gross. <laughs> I think... She laughs. I think this whole situation is too weird for her right sure, now. Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, so... <laughs> I think the message that pops up on the mirror, I think it just says gonna cost you what else am I spending money on and it says I don't need money what do you need favors what kind of favors the kind I call in okay I am curious um were you looking for me before you knew Pobby was you're probably just not gonna answer again that's fine I'll get used to that. I think there's another significant pause. I think as the pause is happening, she pulls up her shirt to look at the mm -hmm. her wound, just because she hasn't checked up on it in a while and wants to make sure it's not like doing anything bad. Mm -hmm. I think um, 
the message on the mirror, when you look back up, the message is there and it says, what makes you think I had to look? I think that that message comes through and then the power in the bathroom goes out. Damn And it. you're standing in the dark. Oh, Athena just heaves a big ol' sigh, cause she's wanted to talk to Thalassica for as long as she's known she's been around. And you're, you're standing in the dark and there's a hammering on the door. Yeah. I got piss. Well, wait your fucking turn. It's dark in here. I'm coming out a sec. I wash my hands. Are there towels? Nope. She uses the front of her shirt to open the door handle. <laughs> hands wet, shaking them off as she comes mm -hmm. out. It's like, it's all yours. Power's out, though. There's a, a short, chubby, um... It's a short, chubby Yara woman. He kind of gives you bitch face as you walk out. I think she glares at her a little mm -hmm. bit. You look down and you realize there's a... A dirty smudge on your shirt. Oh, fuck. And uh, the lady walks into the bathroom after you. And as you're walking back through the bar, you just hear... The power's off! <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. God damn it. I'd like to leave this bar. Okay. You make your way out into the night. There's the din of city. The smell of petrol in the air. Hmm. It's... Warm. Not muggy. I think she like, takes a sec to let that settle into her bones. Probably tired and cold from all the air conditioning, I assume, is at the precinct. Yeah. It's nice. And you are tired. She kind of shakes her head to stay focused on the task at hand. And I want to find a, a cab or a for hire sort of transport from the city to the train. It's not like New York City in our universe, there aren't that many, but there are cars that have um, the telltale sign on top of them, denoting that they are open for business and can take passengers. And you flag one down without any trouble, it doesn't take long. You pile into the back. It's not terribly dirty, surprisingly enough. Mm. The man in the front, uh, sort of wearing a cowl, might not be legal what he's wearing for purposes of being able to see. Right. Um, but he offers you a nod and says, Where to? Um, Caldonic Station. Caldonic Station. Here we go. <laughs> Over the course of the next hour, he'll meander through the traffic of the city and out onto the freeway. This one's in better repair than the one that you took from, uh, Toshi. Hmm. More traffic to Caldonics than there used to be. It's still not too busy. You do pass the headlights of a, a car coming the opposite way occasionally, but it's dark. The stars are out. You watch them pass by, and your your brain feels heavy. I think she's looking at the stars, trying to soak them all in. Mm -hmm. I don't think she and Isaac ever went out and took a break to go see the, the galaxy like she wanted to, mm -hmm. but that's well. life. And you're watching the stars twinkle by in the night, and you know that it could be a long time before you see him again. And I think she's looking for constellations that she made up, because she doesn't actually know any of them, <laughs> but it's the wrong season for almost all of them. Mm. And time passes, and eventually, the car pulls into a cul-de-sac at the base of the Nyx mountain range. The Nyx mountains are large and sprawling, 
They cover a huge swath of land. Snow at the top? Snow at the top. Always. But there's snow just about everywhere. Well, maybe not on the belt. But everywhere else, there's snow. The mountains are wide but also deep, and they cover a large portion of land. And right here at the base, on the outskirts, the very tip of the mountain, there is a facility, a station. And the platform on the outside of the mountain range looks old, but with a new finish. There's a lot of sleek metal, newer polymer on the outer layers, uh, some columns, but it's enclosed and familiar. And uh, the man holds his hand out for payment and says, Last stop. Thank you for the ride. It was, it was good to just sit back for a minute. He waggles his hand and says, thank you for the money. Yeah, no problem. I hand him however much it is with yeah. a tip. And like, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, you get out of the vehicle and he begins to... He begins to pull away, but then he stops because maybe he could pick somebody else up here. Mm. So he idles there. And uh, there's um, a set of stairs that lead up to this building. And it's a... It's not an enormous building, but it's... It's wide. It's much wider than it is tall, with multiple sets of doors for entry. And you make your way in, and it is... It's night right now. It's clinical. It's lots of metals and plastics and washed-out lights. Not uninviting, but they could have spruced it up more if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. There are security officers stationed on the inside, allowing entry to the station proper. There are metal detectors scattered about that you need to walk through in order to get deeper in. Um, in terms of other people around, there are some, a couple dozen, but most of them are already further in. And you can make your way through the security gate. You walk through, you barely have any possessions. You walk through and it beeps, and he asks you to remove your armbands and your headband. I remove my, my gauntlets easy enough and I flop them in the tray. With your gauntlets, you also place the bag you were given at the precinct that contained the food and supplies uh, meant to tide you over until you could get back to your old life. Hey man, this, um, she taps it on her forehead, her headband, she's like, this one doesn't come off. It's an augment, I can't. He leans in and, uh, takes a gloved finger, and he's wearing a helmet, um, so you can't see his eyes, but his mouth is free. And he kind of grabs your headband and jiggles it a little bit. And it's, it doesn't hurt, but... Does it, it jiggle my whole head? Yeah, it Up does. and down. And he Ow. he grunts and uh, nods for you to step to the side. And he pulls out a little baton and starts waving it over your body to make sure there's nothing else. I, I T-pose for him. Yeah, and he, he gets done with that quickly and allows you to gather your things and keep going in. And uh, deeper in, there are people of all, all types. There are... A couple of Karnak, there's uh, Yara Man, a Nakir woman, plenty of humans, Ori and Vel, just gathered around with their luggage, sitting and waiting for the train to arrive. And off to the right, uh, there's a ticket booth where you can purchase a ride in. I'd like to go over to there. Are there any regulators inside? Um, the people that you encountered at the edge seemed like they were not regulators. They mm -hmm. were more basic security. So out, out here right now, you have not seen any. And you know that from your past experience, how things used to be, the regulators tend to stay on the train. 
Hmm. And the regulators do most of their work upon arrival at the city proper. They leave the surface mostly to the surface people, and they employ some surface help to do the first pass, but they trust themselves to do most of the, the securing. Hmm. So nobody's here yet, but you are able to approach the ticket booth, and there is a, uh, a blonde woman who has a little, a little hat on and smiles as you approaches and says, uh, Do you need a ticket, ma'am? Mm-hmm. And she tells you the price, and it's standard. Is it exactly how much I have left? Y- you have enough to get it. It's not exactly how much, gotcha. but you have enough with a little bit left over. And she sells you the ticket and hands you the stub and says, uh, the train should be here very shortly if you'd like to have a scene. But you sit down and you remember that at least seven years ago, there were three trains that ran daily to and from the city. They run on eight hour intervals. Every eight hours they show up and uh, you are here at just the right time. Can I look around? Sure. Did Pavi make it to the train before this, or is Pavi waiting for the train? It's a really good question. Um, you you do oh roll me a notice. Twenty, 20 notice. Yeah, you are even as tired as you are, your mind snaps into focus and you look around and you scan the crowd around you and you don't see Poppy. She could have already headed back herself. It's been about a day. Uh, Maybe she had unfinished business to take care of on the surface. Maybe she's getting her own affairs and orders. Maybe she caught a previous train. Maybe she's getting the next one. You don't know, but she's not here. (sighs) I wish she was here. No one appears familiar to you. You're in a sea of strangers. I think she's sitting on a bench close to the platform where she wants to get on. Mm -hmm. Just leaning forward on her knees and tapping her toes to get out some I don't know if it's to get out restless energy or to just keep herself awake sure. so she doesn't miss the train <laughs> it's a bit musty and stuffy in here the enclosure itself there the train comes from inside the mountain so you're looking into two great black holes in the side of the mountain that is you know 50 yards away from you and the track runs between the two and there's enough space in the middle for really the entirety of the train to to be there Uh, there's a separate dock off to the left where they can load cargo when necessary that doesn't appear to be something they're preparing for right now I figure it's probably more the ones that run in the morning and the afternoon rather than at night right Um, but before too long you do feel the faint vibration and the hum of energy on the tracks and uh, there's a great whoosh of warm air that blasts out from uh, inside of the mountain that sweeps over the crowd as the train pulls in. And the somewhat fresh air gives way to a drier mustiness that becomes a bit damper and crisper as if the train carried air from deeper in the mountain with it. The train pulls to a stop and the doors slide open and people are allowed to enter. There are some conductors in uniform and a red gold uniform that uh, check tickets and wave folks on and people begin to filter on and uh, as this is happening there are uh, several regulators that step off the train bearing arms as they stand and watch the crowd for standard regulator officers the colors they sport are yellow and black uh, which corresponds to the yellow of their badges 
The regulators who come off the train are dressed in basic body armor, nothing too fancy, and they're holding rifles. And you can see that these are not ballistic rifles as you've come to expect on the surface. These are quarry rifles. These fire energy. And they're rare and precious on the surface, um, but very common in Caldonics. These regulators are wearing their helmets and they stand about, making sure there's no funny business. You're able to board the train and the man takes your ticket, waves you on, and you're able to look around for a place to sit. On the inside of the train, it's nice. There's, there are more metals here. The train itself is made out of many metals. And it's smooth and it's sleek. Um, and it feels warm and inviting. Mm. Reds and golds and occasionally a gentle blue. There are standard seats where you can sit. There are screens around and closed cars here and there. Where would Athena like to sit? I think I'd like to be in an unenclosed car. Just maybe on like a, a couch type, you know, one of the long boys. Sure. What am I? A bench? Jesus. You can certainly do that. It's not at capacity. So people are basically free to sit wherever they'd like to. Some people walk further down the train to find something a bit more to their liking. But before long, everyone's boarded and has their luggage stowed and the train kicks into motion. And there's an energetic hum from the outside as you feel the quarry energy run through the tracks and the train, and it lifts off from the ground ever so slightly. Mm -hmm. And you know that the tracks themselves are infused with the, the quarry energy and crystals on the bottom of the train, much like the energy cycles that you used back in Caldonics. These use tethers of quarry energy to suspend from the track and remain intact and move at so high cool. speeds. And as you move into the mountain, uh, the only lights at first are in the train, and it's nighttime, so they're muted. There is light, but it's very dim. Many passengers decide to go to sleep, and you know that this journey takes some time, takes a couple of hours. As the train winds its way through the mountain, a rainbow of vibrant flickering colors flip by the window to break up the blackness. The tunnels are narrow, but occasionally open into enormous caverns dotted with the same lights. These lights generate from quarry crystals, a natural phenomena that emerged over the last two centuries since the Zero ravaged the surface world. Quarry was a near-miraculous discovery, containing abundant energy and other, more volatile properties. The journey takes time. Trains can only travel at high speed through swathes of the mountain range and slow to a crawl at other points. When Caldonics first tried to rejoin the surface, they had to tunnel their way back out, and not knowing where the quarry crystals had sprouted from the crust of the planet, the pace was slow and the route was indirect. Are you going to stay awake for all of it, or are you going to try to catch some sleep? Well, she's just going to take a nap. Alright, yeah, you can take a nap. Um, you drift off to sleep without any trouble. And eventually, um, after some amount of time, you hear the scratching of a loudspeaker or a PA system come on. After all these years of living pretty cutthroat, I think Athena's ready to wake up at the drop of a hat. Yeah, so you, uh, you rouse and you're awake in almost an instant, uh, potentially preparing for trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, and you realize it was just the communication system on the train informing you that uh, you're nearing your destination and that there are some... Necessary announcements that all all passengers uh, must view. As the train is moving, there are 
multicolored glows flitting by the window, the crystals mm-hmm. that are perched in the stone. The air feels warmer here. You're in an enclosed space and environment, but it feels not stifling, but maybe a little bit muggier. I think this is the weather she's built for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's ready for it. And as this announcement comes on, it says, uh, Will all passengers please direct their attention to the nearest terminal? And there's one right in front of you that you're able to watch. And there is a logo on the screen that you immediately recognize as the regulator symbol. This one is yellow. It's circular, though about three quarters of the way down it's cut off and a bit concave. And there are three crystal pillars sprouting from the bottom of the badge, one going up, one to the right, and one to the left. It hums with a yellow energy. It is a physical badge on the screen that you're watching, and it spins in circles a few times before finally stopping. So you're looking at it head on, and it fades out, and a figure fades in. The figure is, again, familiar to you. Uh, it is a Karnic. Karnic are a race of reptilian humanoids that come in many varieties and shapes and sizes. This Karnic has a gleaming black scale pattern, fringed with yellow. His head is of a medium length, with a snout, somewhat like an alligator, but with ridges in the back, some spikes poking out, and his eyes are focused and glinting straight ahead. What color are they? His eyes are a startling orange that contrasts sharply against his mottled black scales. It's a shot from the shoulders up, and you can see that he's dressed in uniform, a deep maroon. And there's a moment of pause before he begins to speak, and he opens his mouth, and the voice that comes out is deep and gravelly, and it doesn't fully match the scale of who you're looking at. His great mouth with all of its teeth does move as he speaks, but it's hard to tell exactly how he's forming the words as well as he does. And he says, Greetings. My name is Fotis Roth. I serve as Kaldonix's arbiter, the head of all regulator divisions, and liaison to the council, Kaldonix's governing body. My purpose, my sworn duty, is to ensure the continuing prosperity and safety of our fair city and its inhabitants. Therefore, I require that you grant me your attention now, as you must understand the expectations we have for you as inhabitants. He pivots a little bit, and the screen moves to the left, and a holographic checklist-type thing appears there, and words begin to appear as he speaks. Unsanctioned violence and crime is not tolerated. And each thing he says pops up as another bullet on this list. (laughs) Do not disturb or touch the Cory Crystals. They are both volatile and exclusive property of the city. No poaching, hunting, or fishing without permits from the city. The creatures serve as important part of the city's food stores. No disturbing the natural ecosystem or damaging it in any way. Our land and space is finite and precious and must be preserved at all costs. Ballistic weapons, firearms of any kind, things that shoot bullets, are absolutely forbidden contraband. They are extremely destructive 
especially to our crystals. They invite catastrophe, and if you possess them, we invite you to leave. You are required to comply with inquisitors and regulators' directives at all times. Your safety is their concern, and if they require your assistance and cooperation in the completion of their duties, it is your responsibility to do so. You may find a full list of infractions and uh, undesirable behavior that might be punishable through various brochures available at any regulator station as well as the security checkpoint you're about to arrive at. If you find that these terms are unagreeable, you are welcome to remain on this train and be transported back to the surface. And he waits for a moment as the list hovers there, and then the camera moves back so he's standing in center view, speaking again. If you disturb the safety of Caldonix, our regulators are given full use of any and every measure to contain danger and protect the people. This shall serve as your only warning. Foolishness and ignorance will be no excuse if you put the lives of others in jeopardy. Please... Treat these warnings with most dire caution. He turns to the side a little bit, and there's a narrowing of his orange eyes, and there's a, a bestial glint there for just a moment before mm. he turns back again. I imagine it's only one eye, too, as he turns to the side. Yeah. Just ooh. Correct. And then he turns back, and his voice clears a bit, and he says, And finally, welcome. Caldonix is a mecca of wonder achievement, passion, and experiences. Welcome to our fair city. Enjoy your time with us. His mouth twitches a little bit, like it looks like he's trying to smile, but it doesn't work very well with his mm -hmm. mouth. And his head turns to his left, your right, and the camera in the video pans out, and you see one of his hands, his clawed hands waving out, as if asking you to look out the window, and he says, Welcome to Caldonix. Thank you for listening to this episode of Neon Heat. Savage Worlds is owned by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group 
You can find them and their products online at peginc.com. You can find our website at rpgforyouandme.com, which we update weekly with new episodes, character art, and bios. All music used is created and performed by Crockett. We are so grateful to them for letting us feature their work with permission. You can find them online at crockett.bandcamp.com and on Twitter at Crockett80s. You can find our show on Twitter at rpg for you and me, and you can find Allie on Twitter at UCTheHat, where she posts art from the show. And as I am absent from all social media, you can find me exclusively on our Patreon Discord server, which you can find at patreon.com slash rpg for you and me. Any support means the world to us, and it makes it easier for us to make more quality content for you. If you enjoy our show, the best way you can let us know is with a five-star review on the podcast listening platform of your choice. See you next week.